Welcome to episode 80 of Paws, Claws and Wet Noses, the vet podcast celebrating all creatures, great and small, and the fantabulous professionals who look after them all. I'm your show host, Julie South. Paws, Claws and Wet Noses is brought to you by Vet Staff. And this week, I'm with Dr. Ashley O'Driscoll. Paws, Claws and Wet Noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full-service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vet Staff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, Vet Staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.au NZ. Just like working in a vet clinic where you're getting busier and busier, so too are we here at Vet Staff. And it's great, really, it is. But with the global professional shortage, what got any of us here won't get us there, especially with recruitment. As Albert Einstein said, I think it was him, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. In terms of recruitment, this means that what worked and got results pre-pandemic isn't working so much anymore. To use trite marketing terms, recruitment pivoting is required. We pivoted early last year, early 2021, and now we're offering vet clinics the ability and the opportunity to capitalize on my analog and my digital marketing background and pivot with their recruitment as well so that you can get better results. In turn, these clinics become vet staff's VIP clients. And it's a bit like when a client follows your treatment recommendations and instructions. When animal owners do what you recommend they do, the results they get are better. And you don't feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall because they're ignoring you or doing things their own way. So if you're a vet clinic looking for better outcomes on your recruitment efforts, let's have a chat. You can just google vetstaff.co.nz and you'll find all the contact info for us there. Over the next two weeks, I'm excited and privileged to share the chat I had with Dr. Ashley O'Driscoll, who graduated Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, DVM, from the Ontario Veterinary College in Canada. Dr. O'Driscoll also holds a Bachelor of Science, Honours, Biomedical Science, from the University of Guelph, Ontario in Canada. Dr. O'Driscoll has worked in several New Zealand veterinary clinics on both islands as a pet and farm animal veterinarian since moving here in 2010. As you'll pick up, Dr. O'Driscoll has a strong interest in animal welfare. She started the Waikato's first home euthanasia referral service for dogs in the Waikato, as well as working for MPI and the SPCA in animal welfare. As well as being a large animal vet who absolutely and adores, she adores, loves cows, 
Dr. O'Driscoll is also a certified body condition score assessor. The Body Score Assessor Certification Program was designed to help rural professionals help standardise condition scoring across New Zealand. It was developed as part of the Transforming the Dairy Value Chain Primary Growth Partnership Program, led by commercial partners including Dairy NZ and Fonterra and partnered by MPI. In addition, Dr. O'Driscoll also picks up a couple of shifts a week at the Animal Emergency Centre, where she's worked in the ER for the last 10 years or so. Anyone who's worked in an ER hospital will tell you it's a high-stress work environment that has strict expectations around patient care and client communication. But they'll also tell you that every day or night, that they go to work, they absolutely know that they've made a difference. In his spare time and as a way to decompress, Dr. O'Driscoll enjoys being a mum to her toddler daughter, her farm and her retired heading dog, Nell. Dr. O'Driscoll first came to my attention through a Hamilton Suburban Facebook group we're both members of, where she mentioned her paw print referral service, which currently provides home euthanasia for pets in the northern Waikato and Hamilton regions. As a referral service, Dr. O'Driscoll works closely with a pet's regular veterinarian to ensure the ever important bond between the client, the pet, and the veterinarian is maintained. As you'll pick up from listening to what Dr. O'Driscoll says, she's very staunch on dignity and respect. And it's a dignified farewell for faithful companions that she offers. As always, I'll put links to Paw Print and other references made by Dr. O'Driscoll on the show notes page at pawsclawswetnoses.fm. We start this chat here with my standard question of wanting to know the defining moment of when Dr. O'Driscoll realised she wanted to be a veterinarian after Brian coming up. An old vet told my father when he was a student in Glasgow, he said, uh, if you want to be a success in veterinary practice, just keep the bowels open and trust the rest to God. Nutrition's not an opinion, it's a science. They called me that weird herbal needle vet, and I I just remember thinking, well, I'm still going to do it, because I know it works, and I've got the research to back it. From reminiscences of the real James Herriot son, to pet nutrition, to acupuncture, the Vet Podcast discusses current animal health issues from around the world. I'm veterinarian Brian Gregor from New Zealand. Just search for the Vet Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. When did you know you were going to be a vet or you wanted to be a vet? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'd actually be really interested in in knowing the kind of answers you get. I've always thought I was one of those lucky people who pretty much knew what they wanted to do since they were, since they could remember. I think there was a short stint of wanting to be a marine biologist because I was fascinated by sharks, but I get very sick in boats and stuff. So that was never going to suit me. I've always wanted to be a vet. I've always had that goal. I've always loved animals. I've wanted to be a vet since I didn't really understand what vets did. And I thankfully still wanted to be a vet once I understand what you had to do to get there and what you were going to do when you came out. So yeah, I'm pretty lucky for whatever reason. I don't come from a medical background. My my dad's a statistician. My mom's a stay-at-home mom, but I've always wanted to be a vet. 
I, so far, pretty much, I think, I'm trying to think of all the vets and nurses, and you've all known deep in your heart that that's what you wanted to do. That's cool. That's a good feeling, and I'm, uh, yeah, I feel lucky to, to have known. We can tell by your accent that you are not a Kiwi. What brought you to New Zealand and why New Zealand? You've got the whole world to choose from. Why New Zealand? Yeah, it's funny now because my accent sounds odd here and my accent sounds odd at home as well. So I I don't really fit in anywhere anymore. But yeah, so I'm from Canada. I knew pretty much nothing about New Zealand. I kind of knew there were two islands and it was located somewhere near Australia. But when I graduated... I've traveled a lot in my life and I was ready to travel somewhere else. I was single and I was quite concerned that I would find a a good paying job and a lovely man and never leave my country. So I just packed up. I found, I kind of put the tendrils out there. And why New Zealand is that I wanted somewhere English speaking uh, as a new graduate. And I wanted, I'd fallen in love with cows during my, my degree and I, I've lived in the States, wasn't really, I've done a lot of traveling in the States, wasn't really interested in working in the States. Been to England, lovely, not really my place. I was off for a, a new adventure. And so you start limiting yourself once you take those countries out of the mix. And yeah, so I, I just kind of put the tendrils out there and ended up getting recruited down to Gore, you know, bottom of the country. There's a reason that I love Gore, don't get me wrong. But well, it's you know, cold, so you would have felt at home. Well, not really, because I arrived there the day before my birthday in August, and I'm a summer baby, and I love the heat, and it was so cold. I was not expecting that. But, yeah, no, it was lovely. I enjoyed it. And, yeah, that's how I ended up in New Zealand, is, is looking for dairy cows, basically. There are quite a few Canadian vets working in New Zealand. Fabulous, you, yeah. You, I know a few of them. Okay. And, I don't know if you know Crystal Lowe. She's a dentist. She'd be worth talking to because she's actually a, a registered dentist based somewhere in the Waikato. Anyway, she was the year ahead of me at my school. And you came all the way to New Zealand and met and re-met, is that? Yeah. So I, I didn't really know her that well in vet school. Yeah. So I, I just kind of came across her and yeah, it's kind of cool to, to talk to somebody from home. You have recently started a business, a very special aspect of veterinary medicine, a very, in a way, privileged part too with how you spend time with animal owners. Was there a defining moment that led you to that? And can you talk to me about that, please? Yeah, so I run my own business, Enlightened Animal Partnerships, and I've quite recently over the last few months, set up paw print home euthanasia. I I can't say there was a defining moment because I've always been a mixed animal vet. As a mixed animal vet, a mobile vet, you do home euthanasias. And I've been a vet for about 12 years. And after a while, you really get a feeling for how home euthanasias work in that it's a very valued service for the clients. And it's actually... It's not as straightforward as it seems. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of what you say, how you say it, your timing and all that. And I think 
there's there's always been discussion among vets at various times about oh it'd be great to start a home euthanasia business. I think a lot of us, as small animal vets, because obviously I'm a small animal vet as well, recognize that this is a very valuable service, but that we can't always provide it either when it suits the client or at all when we're busy. It is hard to escape the clinic with a vet and a nurse for an hour or so. And that topic of conversation has come up and, and you can see that you can see that concept in different parts of the country as well, because I'm not the only home euthanasia business. That it's not just me that had this this idea that this is a great service. So yeah, so that's always kind of been creeping in the background. When I started my business, when I left full-time employed work and started my business, um, it was with the idea of, of doing animal welfare work. But this has always been in the background. This is always like, when I have brain space, I'm going to make this work because it's just, for me, it's just, it's such a valuable service that we can provide for people. And it was more about that. And I know I'm, I, I'm quite capable of it. I have the experience and I wanted to make it more available within my community. So I finally got around to doing that. And for me, a big part was creating the website. Uh, resources for owners and and videos. I don't know if you've seen the video talking about what home euthanasia is and and what happens. Because I feel like if I was in their shoes, I'd want access to those kind of resources. So I'm not I'm not terribly technologically capable. <laughs> so I had to go around and get somebody to design a website. We got through that. Yeah, the reason I've done it, especially in the Hamilton area, with all the dedicated small animal clinics is that more and more your day is pretty jam-packed. As a small animal vet, you've got consult, surgery, surgery, consults. And it gets quite difficult to pull the resource of a vet and a vet nurse out of the clinic for that time period and to, to do it at sometimes fairly short notice for a client. So although vets generally do believe that this is a valuable service, they can't always provide it. So it's it's been about, it's never been about me competing with local vets. It's always been about helping them provide a service that their clients want and helping them maintain that that level of service and that level of of care for those clients who are wanting a home euthanasia and working in with them. So yeah, so that's that's kind of where it started. I have spoken with a few vets, companion animal mostly predominantly through the various lockdowns that we've had over the last couple of years and how traumatic doing car park youths have been through lockdown because the in order for the the fur baby parent to still be there, they've had to do it on a great big long extension and through the car and in the car park and it's just been so very, very sad. Was that your experience through the various lockdowns as well? Yeah, lockdown was difficult. I found myself with a very young child and uh, during lockdown, I basically worked as a large animal vet. So during that period, we weren't doing home euthanasias at at that first lockdown. uh, And I didn't have to directly do much small animal work in the clinic. We as a business did euthanasias without the owners there. Sometimes you'd actually just say, look, you can't come in and we have to put your dog down. And that's terrible. And what horrifies me more is I love animals, but I can't as a country, we're so lucky that we didn't have to do that with people is, is say goodbye to people outside of hospitals in general for to the extent that other countries did. That was I think that's what sits in the back of my head when 
when you think about the difficulty of not being able to maintain that emotional connection through a euthanasia or or maintain it to the degree that you want to maintain as having that in the back of my head. But yes, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's terrible because that's like you've said before, that's an incredibly uh, emotional part of, of a client's of a owner's and an animal's experience. And you want to make it as pain-free or as easy as possible. And it's never going to be easy, but if you can take the edge off, that's what you want to do. So, yeah. So those experiences for veterinarians in general were, were really difficult because you, there's a good reason that those kind of restrictions were made, but it doesn't make the fact that you have to make those decisions any easier. On your website, you talk about, listeners, I will put links to Ashley's website on this episode at pawsclawswetnoses.fm so that you can go and visit her there. On your website, you, unless I was mishearing this, it looked like it was geared or you talk more about dog euthanasias. Do you do cats as well? And do you do other other pets? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So it was originally aimed specifically at dogs uh, because in my experience, I find most value for dogs with home euthanasias, just being completely technical about it. Dogs are much more comfortable at home in general. Some of them aren't, but those are the most satisfying experiences that I've I've had is putting down somebody's old Labrador in their backyard with the sunshine and the trees and like it's fabulous I my last dog you know she's buried on farm and I put her down on farm that's her behind me in the pictures and yeah so it was geared at dogs initially but I've had a lot of queries about cats because people don't want cats to stress out going to a clinic and going in a cage and so I've kind of redirected it a little bit to make it more pets rather than dogs so yes so certainly I do other species I'm completely capable of doing anything else horses alpacas there are a few species that are better not done as home euthanasias such as pigs but yeah I can do any species but in general what I've done so far is I've done a few a few cats but it's mostly been dogs yeah so there's reasons that cats sometimes are actually better in a clinic but the all I do with cats that's different at home is they just get a heavy sedation. So it's not stressful. It was originally, like you said, originally aimed at dogs, but I've had interest for cats. And I actually have had a few queries from people about horses. And I do have experience with horses, but I haven't, haven't been asked to actually do one yet. Yeah. How big is your territory? Where, how far are you prepared or do you go? I'm based just northeast of Hamilton. So I cover all of Hamilton down towards haven't been out to Raglan yet but towards like Fada Fada and up north from there up towards um, Pocono to a cow and to Kofada and Haraki Natia down around there so that kind of if you draw a circle like that I certainly can travel farther but it it starts to get a little slightly more complicated as far as travel and stuff goes and traveling into South Auckland's fine but there's a service available in Auckland as well so that kind of is as far as I go generally as South Auckland yeah. When you started vet school is this where you saw yourself perhaps? 
Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> well, be, no, why be... not? Why not? Just hold that thought. Hold that. No, let, don't hold it. Let's reverse back to it. Yeah. What is there? Of course not. I think, well, I, I think if you could relate it back to if you met me at a dinner party and I said, I'm a vet and you said, oh, what kind of vet are you? And I say, oh, I, I put down animals for a living. You'd be like, oh, oh, okay. And, and so that's where the course not comes from. But certainly that's not the only thing I do. And, and that wouldn't, I could never do that as the, as the sole role as a veterinarian in my life. But I agree with you. There's, it's definitely not, it's not just, of course not, there's more to it. So for me, I've always imagined that at some point in my career, I would be providing an important service to people. I love animals and I love caring for animals, but a lot of this is about providing a service for people, providing something that makes a big difference in their lives. And that potentially improves animal welfare as as far as decreasing the stress an animal may experience and, and just making that very important step easier. If you think about it that way as providing a, a valuable service to people, something that really makes a difference, something that you get a lot of appreciation for, then yes, I definitely could, could, could have seen myself here in vet school. As a former pet owner, dogs and cats, I have had dog, I've had to put down dogs through illness or very, very old age, and that was the, the best path for them. My cats, sadly, I think when they got old, they just never came home. When they just went out and, and did not yeah. come back. The or they one got bowled by a car and I found him in a gutter dead. But I, I think as as dog owners, the end of life of being a dog owner to me seems to be that fur baby parents need to make the choice to put an animal down because that's how dogs die. Or they get hit by a car and then it's it's a tragic ending. There really is no other way, is there? I mean, how many how many dogs actually die in their sleep naturally and peacefully? Uh, yeah, I'd, I wish I knew the answer to that question because I think it's probably more than I would think because I see the sick ones, especially working in emergency. I would think it's not very many. I don't think it's very many. I think it's by far a minority that would actually die in their sleep because at some point most people can look at their animals and say, they don't enjoy life anymore. Obviously, mobility is a huge issue. Uh, we don't we don't generally have the capabilities to time wise or equipment wise to support animals that can no longer walk. Yeah, or or have dementia. So certainly, certainly that's a problem as well. So yeah, it's it's very common, like you said, especially for for dogs, that euthanasia is the is the, f- the final decision. Yeah. And to be honest, I think that we are very privileged as a profession and as owners to have that option. You don't have to watch your animals suffer for the last few days or few weeks. And I'm very comfortable uh, explaining that to people, explaining 
why I think euthanasia as a, as a clinical vet, if I see a sick animal, why I think euthanasia is the best option because otherwise you might see your dog suffer from chronic uh, kidney failure or heart failure or all those incredibly unpleasant disorders. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to contact Dr. O'Driscoll, you can find her at pawprint.co.nz. That's pawprint singular, P-A-W-P-R-I-N-T dot co dot N-Z. If you're a clinic that would like better results on your recruitment efforts, then please get in touch with us at vetstaff. .co.nz. Tune in again next week where we'll continue the chat that Dr. O'Driscoll and I had. Until then, this is Julie South inviting you to go out there and be the most fantabulous version of you that you can be. Take care. Kakiti ano. Stay safe. God bless. Paws, claws, and wet noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full-service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vet Staff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, Vet Staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz NZ.